Thanks for finding Organic Matters once again. I'm really enjoying my ever-increasing list of folks that uh, listen and write me and, uh, I guess, I hope, turn their friends on. So it's uh, it's been becoming, it's been a year or two since I started podcasting while well, I've been on 22 or 23 years. But I'm amazed at how many people have learned or want now to really do, or at least listen to podcasts. Maybe it's because they can do it in their vehicles, traveling, whatever, but I get more and more numbers each week. So thank you. For the first part of this show, we're going to talk a little bit about March gardening. Now, let me give you a bit of explanation because I can't, well, I can, but it'd be boring to everybody else to make know what zone you're in. You do need to look up your hardiness zone. They're very easy to find. And I do my show around zone eight, which is where I live. But it's very easy to, I want to use the fancy word, extrapolate one way or the other. If you're down in zone nine, then I'm running a little late for you. But the reason I use zone eight is most everybody's zone eight or north, except the southern ends of Texas and Florida. And so if I do zone eight, you can back it up a couple of weeks for each zone, basically. But I would be more exacting than that because it also depends on altitude. Zone 8 is goes sometimes all the way up into Tennessee in places, and in other places there could be a zone 6 or 7 in that same area, depending on the altitude you're living at. So anyway, uh, you just have to think about that. But if I do Zone 8, most of you people are north of me that do listen to me, and it's a few weeks difference, but just go to your zone, and once you find your last average frost date, which they will tell you, then the same information applies. It's just a matter of, of exactly which zone you're in. So let's start. Prune wintering flower shrubs and vines, of course, after they bloom. And, and this far south, we do have wintering flowers and shrubs if we planted them. I mean, there's, they're very common here. And other than that, do realize that pruning's mostly for you. You can make it look better. You can have dead limbs cut out. But for the most part, you're pruning for you, not for the tree to make it look prettier to you to what but as far as for the health of the tree with a few exceptions that's that's not what pruning does for you and some of it's the other way around in this part of the world we have a beautiful tree a lot of this part of the united states called crepe myrtles but there's a it's almost a joke in the industry a lot of people do what we call crepe murder they cut the thing all the way back to it's a funny little stump and it'll never look like a normal tree again now it does come out with new growth and it does put its flowers on but but it's not structurally what a tree really looks like. So that's why somebody nicknamed it crepe murder. <laughs> Trim it out by all means, yes, but but be kind of be I want to use the word try to try to make it look natural, not not like a stump with some sticks sticking out. Again, for those of us in zone 8, it's time to plant summer and fall flowering bulbs. So you get the bulbs will be available in your area now. Some of the big box stores now do carry some decent bulbs. Of course, I'm still a big promoter of going to a real nursery. You learn a lot more from the people and a, a nursery that's really tied into where you are, the region you're in, will have almost always the best possible plants for what grows in your area. I might mention here, it's, it's not as hard as you think to learn what to grow. As you look around, especially if you move in and you've not been from here, look around in your neighborhood and see what is growing and what you appreciate 
it's not just weather, folks. It has to do with the pH of your soil and, and how dry are you naturally. You know, and there's certain parts of the zone eight that gets 50 inches of rain or more, and there's certain parts of the zone eight that gets 13 inches of rain or less. So that also has to come into play when we say it's time to plant or to garden in our area. It's not just the zone that's involved in it, but, but rather the whole habitat, the whole environment that you're going to be growing in. If you've been waiting to put in what I call permanent ground covers, this is the time in this part of the country. You, you put them in while it's still, they have to have a little time to get their roots established and things, and the weather, for the most part, will cooperate from about the middle of March on for us. So we're right in what's probably the best growing period to put things that are going to be in the ground perennially for years after years. If your lawn did suffer this year, and some have worse than us, we had a few really, really, ab ab well, what I'd call abnormally cold days. They're not abnormal. They just don't come along very often. So it's a good time to think about repairing your lawn if you need to, depending on whether you've had St. Augustine or Bermuda. Again, go to your local nurseryman, and he will recommend the particular grass that grows or should grow in your area. Now, be a little careful about that. There's these grasses, though, that are offered in some of the big box stores that really don't fit our area. Do a little bit more study. You, a lawn is put in properly. It's pretty low maintenance, but the wrong kind of grass and can really become a big, bigger effort than it has to be. Just carefully choose what you want your lawn to be. And when carefully chosen in the beginning, will make maintenance over the years a much, much simpler proposition. Let me just add my two cents worth in here. Uh, think about things besides just grass. Our, our, we've kind of, especially in the United States, if it was all ideal, most of the people would want their grass in the front yard to look like they're in a golf course. But really think about areas that, that would be beautiful as what I call more natural, do lean towards plants that are natural instead of exotic. Ornamental grasses, a lot of them we do have them that they call that, that are natives to different parts of the country and do very well. They take up nice spaces. Um, natural trees take a, take some of your lawn out and 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 make little gardening areas. All of that will save you water. Number one, if carefully choose native plants, and there, in almost every part of the country I've been in, there's now nurseries that specialize in offering what we call native plants. It's better for the wildlife, it's better for the birds, it's better for the bees, it, it's easier to keep because it's supposed to be growing there. But consider that to make it as at least a, a percentage of whatever your lawn area is. If you're going to plant bare root roses in this part of the country right now, this is the time to do it. And plant or transplant any of your warm season annuals now. It's time for you to, to get out and find those. And, and the, again, they should be in the local nurseries. If you're going to do fruit trees, and that's uh, that in itself could be a whole another show, by all means choose carefully the fruit trees that again that are naturalized in the part of the country, that, and that includes not just the hardiness zones, but how much water do you naturally get makes a big difference, or the extreme heats, and, and how cold does it really get even in the summer. That all needs to be considered. In my particular area, I'll just give you an idea of, of how this can work. We really can't grow apples here. Why? Because everywhere in this part of the state, at one time or another, the soil, because of what they grew in the past, has a thing called cotton root rot. And I know a man that put millions into what was going to be an apple orchard, 
And they were, thousands of trees were dead within five years, no matter what he did. And it, cotton root rot, as far as I know, and somebody can help me with that, there's no real, real easy way to get it out of the soil. It can lay there dormant for years, and then when you have, get a, a plant that is susceptible to it, it, it comes back and knocks it out for you. And before I forget, let me mention now, don't forget your indoor plants. Most all of us have some. It's time to get, they're going to kind of come, start coming back. You want to feed your house plants that if, they're, if they're growing or if they're already blooming. Give them a, it's a good time of year to give them their fertilizer for the spring. And if you're the kind of person, and I am one, I like it to love, I happen to love perennials. It's time to plant your heat-loving perennials now so they really kind of get set in good before the real heat comes. If you're going to plant ornamental and evergreen trees, shrubs, and vines, good time of year in this zone right now. And to mention one more time, there may be some pruning you need to do on uh, spring flowering or tender shrubs and vines, but be sure if it's the early bloomers that you wait till after the bloom to do it. And again, I'm not a prune master. I do do it when I need to. If, if there's a limb hanging where I park my car over, of course, I cut it off. So pruning doesn't mean it does anything bad, but it, again, it's more for you in most cases than it is for the plant. For the last few minutes of, of this part of the show, I'm going to tell you just some of the vegetables that I put in in almost 8B actually, but 8A, 8B this time of year. And you can choose some of your own particular specimens or species, but it's a good time of the year to put in carrots, whatever one. I use a thing called a chantonet, which is those little short, fat guys that I really like, and they're very easy to grow in this part of the country. Good time of the year to put in some broccoli. Last year, I planted a, what they call a purple sprouting broccoli. I don't know if it tasted any better, any worse, but it's a lot prettier, and it does make a, a really, really nice-looking dish. If you're a radish lover, by all means, radish time. I happen to plant black radishes or dark purple, they look like last year. The cool thing about radishes, most people don't realize the radish is very healthy for you and very good for you. But incidentally, you can eat the tops. They're perfectly edible and, and quite delicious. Great time to put in snow peas. And why do I like snow peas? Because it's one of the peas you can actually eat the pod itself if you prefer. They're gonna come, if you plant them now, they're going to be ready in about 50 or 60 days. They're very, very easy to keep. Not a lot of maintenance to do, not a lot of pest, and incidentally, obviously, very healthy for you. And for the first time last year, I helped, I actually wasn't my garden, but I helped someone establish in the garden, globe artichokes. Now, a lot of people, I love artichokes. It's, it's a lot of work to eat them in some ways, but they're wonderful. And the cool thing about them, once they go, they're really low maintenance. They almost, hey, use that word, they almost grow like a weed. <laughs> if you have well-drained soil and a lot of sun, globe artichokes are about as unfussy and drought tolerant as you can get a plant to grow and have something to eat. And another root crop I've only started growing in the last few years, a root crop, is parsnips. I fell in love with them. They're really not very popular here in the United States. I'm not sure why. I think probably the biggest reason is that they're slow. You gotta have patience. They, they are a lot slower than, even though they look like, kind of like a carrot, they take a few more months. If you get them in, they make a neat looking plant, but they do take oh, an extra 30 days or so to mature uh, if you really want a nice big parsnip. And while we're on the subject of root crops, one of my favorites that's so easy to grow are beets. 
ordinarily the people do the purple beat. It's beautiful. The last season, I worked on putting in golden beets. They're pretty. They're easy to grow. Not much. Any, not, they they took, take, yeah, I don't know, like 16 weeks. They're not real fast now. But they're very, very dependable. And they fit well in a small vegetable garden. They can kind of squeeze them pretty tight together. They do need sun. And the cool thing about it, if you're a big beet eater, first, they're very healthy for you. Secondly, so are few in March. So a few in June, go in the, up even into July, and you'll have a continuous crop uh, from June or May even into October. And because they're not so picky, folks, they even make it, they can have a good companion planting situation where you can plant your, your onions, your other brassicas we talked about in this all in one area, and they all get along pretty good. It actually is maybe a, a better way to, I want to say, fool the pest. Uh, so anyway, that's just a few of the things I think are fun to do in March, just to kind of give you a start. A lot of other things can be done, but just uh, give some of these a try, especially if you haven't done them before. You'll, I think you'll be surprised, pleasantly surprised. Thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matters. Mm-hmm.